Good evening. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Everything Entrepreneurship with Walter and Yarrow. Hello, this is Yara Stark with my co-host. Walter Haas. Hi, Walter. Hey, Yara. As you know, tonight I'm down in sunny Sydney. Sunny Sydney. It's a bit overcast, but very nice. Yes, we're we're testing out the uh, the new setup, the new internet access, the new... Well, you brought your good mic with you. I did. I didn't bring good internet, though. (laughs) Everyone else has good internet but me. Oh, you've been in your house? Uh, Well, I've got a little Optus wireless stick. Are you doing this on a Wi-Fi dongle? I am, yes. Why don't you, why don't you got internet in the house, like, you know, ADSL or cable or something? Uh, because it'll take a few days to connect. Okay, but that's happening. Yes, it is. Okay. We so we apologize, everyone. We're tech startup without internet. Yes, I was going to say, we, we do apologize for all of you listeners in uh, who has tuned in for everything entrepreneurship here. Uh, episode 13, I'm, I'm keeping track of the numbers now. Uh, lucky 13? We're at lucky 13, first of 2014. Happy New Year to everyone out there. You are listening to our show about uh, startups, entrepreneurship, uh, internet business, marketing, blogging, social media, everything to do with running an internet company and uh, having your own business. So uh, Walter has just begun day one of his incubation program down in Sydney, and he's just getting everything set up. And uh, I'm, of course, sitting here in cold Melbourne. I'm amazed in January in Melbourne, I can be wearing a sweater and long pants, and it's like 16 degrees, going down to 10 degrees at night, which is the middle of winter, what I'm used to in Brisbane. So really loving this weather. I I say that wholeheartedly. That is not sarcasm. I'm a fan of the cold, and I have well and truly learned that you either are a cold person or a warm person. You like one or the other, and that's it. Walter, I'm a cold person. What are you? Well, Well, I used to think I was a hot person, but then I came from, and in some ways I am a hot person. <laughs> so, uh, Cute cheesy I, sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, where was I? Yes, uh, Brisbane. Brisbane had a 40 degree day and then followed by a 20, well, 33 degree day. And that's when I flew down to Sydney. So Sydney today was 27 degrees maximum with almost no humidity. I broke a sweat for like a minute. <laughs> That was when you were that coding, right? <laughs> that, that was when I was walking. Speed coding. <laughs> yes. Ugh. But everything else was, was beautiful. So I'm a big fan of the sort of temperate 24 degrees all year round yeah. weather. I don't know if there are any places around the world that are the temperature all the way. All well, you know, I look at our, our listener map on our stats. Uh, we, we've got Libsyn for delivery of these podcast MP3s, and I can see the, the countries where everyone who listens in listens into our show come from. And while we're not hitting every single country on the planet, we are certainly getting uh, a widespread across the globe. So I'm pretty sure, for starters, most of our listeners are actually in the Northern Hemisphere, so you guys are going through winter right now. So it's probably a bit strange for you to hear us talking about these colder temperatures. Uh, well, <laughs> warmer temperatures, colder <laughs> temperatures, it's all relative. But uh, normally, both of us coming from Brisbane, it's hot. But I digress. I would like to talk about some business subjects. Let's not talk about the weather. That makes for a really bad first date conversation. So, Walter, Incubator, how is it going? Well, it's um, as you know, I've been uh, getting ready for this startup in Sydney at the Incubator. Startmate, and um, yeah, I've kind of been run off my foot, feet the last few days, just moving down to Sydney. 
Um, we've got a really awesome place here. It's right opposite the shopping center. So I flew in at like 7 p.m. and brought blankets and pillows and everything at 7 p.m. That was fantastic. But uh, again, um, going back to the incubator, the experience, today was the first day, and um, the experience is kind of the opposite of what I expected. I expected more like a uh, personal trainer type environment where they get all the startups that have made it past the interviews, you know, kind of been drilled down to this point where the final eight that made it into Startmate this year. And um, I expected that attitude to, you know, keep going. But um, from today, the attitude I got was more like uh, not a personal trainer, but more like, you know, that favorite uncle that's always encouraging you. And he tells you what to do to become successful. And he sets you up with, you know, all the systems, all the people around you that'll make you successful, or at least try to make you successful. And then it's just up to you to put in the hard work. Like there's no one cracking the whip, but they'll remind you, they'll remind you that, you know, you have to get somewhere. But um, yeah, not like a personal trainer, more like mm. that that awesome uncle that's always, you know, giving so, you a push when you need it. What, what exactly is the environment, Walter? Is it all of you packed into this one room? Like, so eight, eight startups, which must be somewhere around 20 plus founders sitting in a bunch of computers with high speed internet access, just plugging away at, at their companies. Is that, and, and mentors circling around the room as well? Is it kind of like a shared workspace? That's exactly what it's like. So I've been part of three co-working spaces now and uh, the first co-working space was very much open plan but with big dividers, the sort of ones where you had to look over with, uh, you know, standing on your toes and that was a not so good environment because people weren't encouraged to talk and collaborate. Um, the other environment I was in, they... Also, they, they didn't have dividers really, but uh, again, everyone was kind of heads down and coding. But this room that we're in, it's very open plan. Uh, it's two sides. So it's two very long desks and one side is facing the other side. So you, you basically see across from you, about a meter away, uh, another founder from another company. So you're in a very, very tight space and it's not uncomfortably tight, but it makes for awesome conversations. So you can hear what people are talking about. Uh, you can hear the sort of problems they're having. And um, yeah, conversations just open up. And it's that sort of environment uh, that really, really generates, uh, you know, the benefit of being in an incubator. Because one of the companies um, across from us, they're working in a technology called .NET, which some of you may know. And our primary technology will be .NET based because that's uh, what I have most experience in. But they're not really .NET people. They're kind of forced to do it. So, you know, I, I told them, hey, I've heard you're working on .NET. Uh, let me know if you have any problems and, you know, I can help. And it's those sort of connections that just form out of being in this tight space mm. together. Yeah, definitely uh, a motivating environment. I, I, I honestly find that too much contact hours with everyone in terms of you know you're spending a full work day surrounded by other people who are spending a full work day uh for me that would be a little bit too um working against my ultradian rhythm for those of you who have studied some of my mindset materials you know about the ultradian rhythm which 
basically says that our bodies function on, well, some parts of our bodies have two-hour cycles. So you've got the um, circadian rhythm, which is your sleep cycle, your 12, 24-hour cycle of energy and sleep. The, circadian, uh, the ultradian rhythm is similar, but it's a two-hour cycle. And basically how it relates to working and productivity is you have about two hours of peak performance and after that there's quite a significant de degradation of the quality of your output. So ideally you should be using different parts of your body and your brain uh, every two hours. So changing tasks from working to cooking or working to exercise or working to um, you know, some other use of your body or your mind so that you never get to that point where you're basically forcing your body to work when you're not at your peak um, condition. And that's very much what I've driven my lifestyle and that's why I'm so much about lifestyle design and being a lifestyle entrepreneur so it really is only two hours at the library I do a bit of work at and then I'll go somewhere else and do two hours of, of cooking or even you know doing a P90X DVD exercise something like that it's always changing and you can't exactly pop in a P90X DVD at the incubator can you Walter and bang out a yoga session right? Well, I could try. I might get some <laughs> funny looks. But, you know, <laughs> maybe someone will join in. I but, might have to wear spandex. Yo, yeah, that'll, that'll get them going. Um, <laughs> but, no, you are meant to be sitting there at the computer for like a normal working day, right? Or if not more than that. Well, see, that's the thing. No, um, you're not. You can do whatever you want. Um, so tomorrow my two co-founders are actually flying back to Brisbane for a couple of meetings. And... I'll be at the incubator basically setting up all the tech and getting ready to start coding. Okay. But, um, yeah, we don't have to be there 9 so to 5. And who's holding you accountable? I mean. Well, the, uh, the mentors are, okay. but they're holding us accountable based on certain metrics. So the, and this is, this is the thing. Um, when you start a new business, uh, whether it's internet marketing or you know, classic startups, there, there are so many things you can be doing and you sometimes don't know where to start. And this is one thing uh, they mentioned today, you know, the, the focus has to be on getting customers. So don't spend 18 months building a product, spend three months building a product that gets you a client. So work on getting one client and then another client and then another client. And if you need to build something, then build it to get the client, but don't build it for the sake of building it, right? Mm. So that has to be the focus. Everything else is just a distraction. So uh, if people are knocking at your door saying, this is an awesome idea, we should do something together, say, yeah, cool, I'll get back to you later. But right now, focus on getting the clients, mm. one after the other after the other. Because that proves that your idea has merit. If you can't get any clients, then there's no point in doing a joint venture. You've just wasted your time effectively. Mm. And yeah, it's that focus that they provide. Just you know, focus on one thing at the moment, getting clients. It's an inter interesting concept, that, that really strong motivation on results-driven marketing. So it really is about customers and clients. I've often found that sometimes a little bit difficult to bring back to, for example, the blogging model where you might be producing content where you are producing content. That's what you do. And your client or your customer begins with a reader 
and then ideally you're moving them through a funnel so they become a prospect by joining your newsletter or subscribing to some kind of way to, to follow your content long term and then you're going to convert them to the next level which would be the, the proper customer either directing them to an affiliate product you, you sell or selling your own product or perhaps monetizing through advertising in which case just keeping them subscribed is really your, your main goal and building your audience now for us bloggers if we focused 100 percent on client acquisition and not on content creation it would be useless because there's no product to keep them involved in what you're doing right so you could go out there and tell people you're doing amazing work and then they come to your site and there's nothing there so how did how, like i'm kind of curious with your focus on client acquisition you don't have a product yet, do you, Walter? So what are you, are you selling people on a future product that you will deliver to them in the future? Is that what you're doing now? Oh, oh that's right. We've got mock-ups of what the product will do, what it will look like and how it will function. And that's what we're using during these meetings. So the customers get a very good idea of what the product will do, but they just don't have a product they can click through right now. I mean, they can click through a presentation which goes through the product and shows them exactly what will be and what will be where and it looks realistic so they're proper mock-ups but um, yeah no no working product yet and I think that's the way to do it because you know if we can't get clients that way then we would have wasted our time building a product I'm guessing with your product a lot of the delivery will be tailored to each individual client is that right yeah, the content will be. We're, we're planning on making the actual software itself a bit more open. So like I said in a previous podcast, it'll be more like a WordPress type framework. And the actual content itself will be unique for every client, just like every WordPress website is unique or more or less unique. So that's what we're going for. The actual content um, will probably end up uh, being developed by the client themselves. So we're aiming for just, you know, making the framework available to everyone. But um, yeah, every client obviously has their own uh, unique requirements for inducting new staff into their company. So yeah, it'll be completely different per client. Right. I was going to suggest you might want to tell our listeners that your startup you're working on right now is a induction to new staff mobile application, right? Yes, it's an induction to new staff on your mobile. So <laughs> I might just do the pitch quickly. Um, if Yeah, so if you've ever had a new job and uh, you've been taken around by the secretary on your first day and you've know, shown the toilets, shown the access key and given the password and all those sort of things, uh, setting up emails and printers and whatnot, um, that's, that's called an induction. Some inductions last for two to three days at larger companies. And we're basically taking that process and condensing it down into an app that you've got on your phone. Uh, you can do that before you even come through the door. You click, yeah, okay, I understand all this. Um, for things like setting up the printers and, uh, and access codes, you can look up the procedures later. So after you've, done the, after you've done the induction. And that way you're not sitting there for three days going over boring material. I like that idea. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys grow it. So, uh, enough about you, Walter. <laughs> My turn. Uh, so, Yaro, I hear you have an interesting product you'd like to talk about. 
Well, yeah, the thing with our Everything Entrepreneurship show, part of our show is meant to be taking questions from our readers. We haven't had any come through for this episode. It is, you know, sort of holidays time. Um, but we certainly encourage you guys to send through a question if you, you want us to answer it. We'd love to answer questions. And uh, there's plenty of instructions to do that on my blog. Uh, but we also recap what we're working on. And so Walter's just started the incubation process. I'm always working on some kind of training product. That is going to be my answer for this entire year of everything entre entrepreneurship episodes. I am creating a sales funnel, a product funnel, uh, front-end products, and then a back-end of training courses and building out a, a really um, well-established training business with me as the center point, which is something I've always should have done and never really did complete the picture properly. So I'm quite motivated to do so and get everything in my head down into content that people can study. Right now I'm on my uh, third and final front end e-guide, which is the beginner traffic guide. So this is how to grow your blog traffic from zero to 1000 daily readers. And obviously that's possibly the most important uh, subject for a new blogger to cover. And I have written this, uh, how can I put this? Two, two ways. I, several years ago, wrote an introductory definitive guide to search engine optimization for bloggers. It did get released to the world uh, very subvert... Subvert? Sub Subvertly? Sub subvertedly? Covertedly? It was, it was undercover. <laughs> I didn't do a launch for it, and I didn't tell people about it. Uh, I simply made it available, and uh, the page was active, um, I, I, I think I may have mentioned it in a couple of places, but it wasn't certainly like sent to my entire list or anything like that. And it, consequently, I had maybe three or four sales. Um, it wasn't, and, and there's a reason why. I wanted that guide to get out a lot earlier than it did. I, I released it, but felt that it wasn't uh, as up to date as it should be as an SEO guide, which highlighted the fact that I really shouldn't be promoting an SEO guide for two reasons. I'm not an SEO expert. It's not something I spend a lot of time on, uh, like, you know, getting into the, the nuts and bolts of that. And there's a reason why. It's this industry that's constantly changing. Like, it, it's different each and every week. The market, you know, what Google does and what search engines do, it, it's so much to keep up with. It's not my passion. I don't want to be an expert in that space. And for me to go out there with this guide saying it's an SEO guide means it's out of date literally the month after I publish it. So I don't want that to be a situation. While I think SEO is important, the, the good thing about SEO, the foundational elements remain the same. You know, you're doing link building, you're doing authority building, basically. You're trying to get the, your site, get a range of links coming from a range of other sites with, within the right keyword structure, within the right keyword neighborhood, in order to boost your own site's ranking for the right keywords. So, and, and that is something I can teach, it's something I know about, and something I want to keep, but it's got to be in a traffic guide, not in an SEO guide. So what I've been doing is taking my old SEO guide, pulling out the parts that I think are relevant, and you know the things you need to know about, like page rank and link building and authority and keywords, putting that into a, an introductory traffic guide and adding a bunch of new materials to it, which is what I've been writing over these uh, summer holidays here in Australia. And it's been really interesting because I've had to go back and I guess remind myself what it takes to build traffic to a new website. And I haven't had a new website in a long time now that I, you know, besides, uh, I guess, cranky ads, but we never had a really strong SEO campaign. We were kind of leveraging the existing audience I had on my newsletter for that business. So 
you know, I'm, I'm factoring in a person who takes this guide has got a brand new blog and they're, they're building their audience from scratch. So it's been really good actually, because I'm reminding myself of all the things I could do again, if I really want to get back into heavy traffic building for my own blog, which I would like to do once my products are all created. And it also reminds me how it's an area that frustrates people. Traffic building is always tough. Marketing is hard, but it's within the realm of your control. It just takes hard work. You just have to go out there and, you know, it's, it's outreach marketing, knocking on doors, doing things that get your content in front of other people and creating value for others, much like you guys are doing with your startup. Now you're looking for clients, you're knocking on doors, you're building relationships and you're trying to get yourself into the room where you can show the value you've got. And that's what bloggers have to do in the early days as well. So what I'm doing right now is producing that guide. I've done the first four chapters of it. I've got another four to go. Uh, some of it's existing content, some of it's new content, and I hope to have it out probably February of this year now. And that will be my last of my e-guides too. So I'm quite excited to finally move on to my courses after that as well. So um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Great subject, traffic building. I uh, love it. It's, it's a hard one though. Most people like who... who You've gone through this just recently with KickSpy, right? Like, um, how hard is it to build traffic? It, you you kind of actually, I don't want to say you got lucky, Walter, but you have good timing with KickSpy and, and that startup in terms of how you built traffic to that website. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of it was um, was SEO and optimization. Um, uh, again, like you, I'm not really an SEO expert, but uh, just having a lot of long-tail keywords for you know, thousands of different projects. That's that's really what brought in the majority of traffic. Actually, it, that, that's about a third of the tra- traffic. Um, one third of the traffic is uh, referrals. So people just pointing to my site, and that could be Facebook, Twitter, or just links on other websites. And one third is returning traffic. And I get about a thousand uh, page views a month. Mm. Through I'm, that. Glad, I'm glad so, you said long tail, because I've got a chapter or a section just about the long tail. Uh, and, and let's just say what that is, Walter. Can you explain how the long tail works as it relates to KickSpy, since that's a good practical example? Yeah, so in terms of KickSpy, and I guess uh, in terms of blogging too, the sort of keywords that you use are really going to be searched by a very small niche of people. So you won't get much competition for those keywords, but you will attract those few people that are searching for it because you'll rank you know, towards the top of Google for those keywords just because no one else is. And if you have a lot of those pages on your website, so a lot of those articles that target that niche or a few little niches, then combined all of that traffic does add up to a lot of traffic, but not all of your traffic is coming from one source. It's all distributed through these long tail mm-hmm. keywords. So, so it's like a, a thousand articles each getting somewhere between five and ten visitors a day leads to a lot of traffic as opposed to four or five articles that each get several hundred visitors a day. Exactly. But the good thing with long-tail keywords, at least as it applies to KickSpy, is that a lot of those people who may come in on you know, a long-tail keyword, they'll then click on other areas of the website and a lot of those visitors, at least in my case, turn into repeat visitors. So over the month, they just keep coming back and uh, checking updates on projects and you know, seeing different projects on Kickstarter. So you do convert those users into you know, repeat users. 
Walter, it's amazing. It's like you're lifting words out of my guide, I have to say, because I, I talked about <laughs> the, the difference between a new visitor versus a repeat visitor, and that's conversion. That's step one of conversion is taking a, a brand new eyeball and convincing them to somehow make a more permanent connection with you, which, which might be just you know, liking your Facebook page or following you on Twitter or joining your email newsletter or bookmarking your page. Uh, in your case, with KickSpy, they want to keep up with they want to keep up with Kickstarter campaigns. So, when you say they become a repeat visitor, do they just bookmark your site? Is that what you find they do? Or yeah, that's right. They they tend to bookmark a few things. So either they're a fan of one particular Kickstarter project, and they keep coming back to my site to check on the predictions. So I have a math math algorithm, math model that figures out roughly how much funding you're going to get based on other similar projects on Kickstarter. So they keep coming back to my site to check the funding progress for their project, their pet project. Mm. Um, others tend to come back and check on the list. So what are the new projects? What are the popular projects in each category? And some of the very hardcore Kickstarter users uh, create their own searches, their own filters. Um, so if you hit the search button on Kickspy, you can really customize what exactly you're interested in. And then they'll either check that list themselves, subscribe to the email, or just check the RSS. Hmm. And now, now, you with your long tail, you, you kind of had an advantage in the sense that you're able to pull content from Kickstarter as a way to create content pages for Kickspy, which are all long tail results. Like every single Kickstarter campaign is a long tail search result. That's right. Yeah, I've, um, I, I do add content to all of that as well. So there's no point in just, uh, you know, republishing the same content. You have to add something. Otherwise, um, Obviously, you're just I mean, trying to... What, right, you, you create stats and so on. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I know, like, I, I think of the blogger's perspective here, and it's a bit of a daunting task to think about manually going long tail, which, frankly, you have to do. I, I think nowadays, as a brand new blogger, you're not going to rank well for... The, the short tail, the really competitive terms. And you're going to have to go for long tail because of that. So you're going to have to go for these niche phrases. But it can be very slow because you might spend, I don't know, three months and write 30 articles, but you're only getting 20 visitors a day, uh, you know, because each article is getting one or two visitors or zero to two visitors per day. And that feels like, wow, it's a lot of work to get no traffic. Uh, but uh, the, the, the concept of long tail is having volume. So it's a thousand articles in your blog that delivers the, the result. But that's not a small job. Um, what I've found, and, and there's some interesting ways to sort of, uh, I don't, don't want to say trick the system, but you can certainly do some cool things. And it, it reminds me of some of the early day uh, localization long tail. I used to do tricks with my proofreading business. And this is certainly something any blogger, certainly any product seller, if you have an e-commerce website or uh, any site that's um, dealing with geographically, um, I, mean, I guess customers coming from certain areas that you can localize with unique pages on your website, this works well. What I did is my proofreading business, I started to collect testimonials and I would group them by the cities they would come from. And then I'd actually title each page on my site the, the the relevant hot keyword, which for me was either proofreading or editing, that was the top level keyword, and then I'd localize it by adding 
to the front of it the actual city. So it would be Brisbane proofreading, Sydney proofreading, and I'd put the testimonials from people from those cities into those pages. So that created the content and that started ranking well for those Brisbane keyword, Sydney keyword phrases. And it was uh, you know, relatively easy to compete for those because there's just not a lot of people specifically going for Brisbane proofreader. Tons were going for essay proofreader or thesis proofreader or something like that, the top level site, uh, top level keywords, but not those more uh, local niche specific keywords. So you can do that in any space. Like I, I've been even thinking about this for my own blog. Um, you know, I, I can take every small aspect of blogging and and create a page essentially with content for it. Uh, the trick is, of course, figuring out how to get yourself unique enough content into that area that provides value and has the right keywords without spending the rest of your life writing and also outsourcing and pulling in, you know, getting not so good writers and things like that. But for example, I could be writing about every aspect of a blog. So how to write good titles, how to write, yeah, use good comments, how to um, do the the good uh, subheadings and just take every little aspect of vlogging, permalinks, uh, commenting, uh, trackbacks, just talk about every little thing and then keep going. And, and of course, I'm going to start ranking for all these terms related to blogging, which won't have tons of competition, especially if I get really, really niche with them. So there's a lot of options with this. Um, but you, you really got to weigh up, I think, a, a time, what, what do you call it? Uh, at, uh, oh. Help me here, Walter. Um, you know, uh, cost-benefit analysis. I'm not sure. <laughs> cost-benefit ah, yes. analysis. You know, like, is this the best way to optimize your site? Is it going to, you know, bring in the right kind of traffic? Like, for example, you know, you guys with your brand new startup are not going to launch a website and then suddenly start localizing for all these keywords, or maybe you are. I don't know. Well, well, no, we're not. Um, but on that, actually, I wasn't running a uh, a internet website at all. Uh, with OptiCode. So OptiCode was just a consulting company where we developed code, but our website um, had the term Brisbane in it. So Brisbane was the city we were based out of, and the title of the website was Brisbane.net Developers. So .NET is a programming language. We were .NET developers, but uh, we titled it Brisbane.net Developers. So not best.NET developers, not, um, you know, come hire us or anything. It's just Brisbane.net developers. And that, that phrase ranked number one on Google for our local area. And it actually got us a ton of inquiries and potential clients. So the whole localization, if you do offer a service where people would search for, you know, whatever you offer, so your service plus city, then um, it's definitely something to try. I love a bit of local SEO chat, Walter. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've hit the 30-minute mark, and I, I think it's, it's worth ending the show at the time. We're supposed to end the show every week, but we don't. We always go over time, uh, and especially because I feel it's a bit of a quiet time of year, and there's not a lot going on, and, you know, even the readership on, on the blog is down a bit too since everyone's off doing other things, and if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you're dodging the cold weather, or if you're down here, you're on, on summer holidays. So, um, I we definitely, though, want to encourage questions because we love having input from other people. We love being able to help other people and have topics to spark conversation. So, you know, by you asking us what you're struggling with, we can draw upon when we've had to solve those problems, which leads down to some 
Oh, with some interesting discussions. And if you can listen to some of our previous episodes where we've had listener call-ins and questions left on our, our blog posts that we've used on the, on the podcast. So uh, at, for instructions, if you want to leave us a question, you can go to my blog, entrepreneurs-journey.com. Leave a comment reply to this blog post, the one where you will get this podcast. Or you can send an MP3, which is your voice recorded where you ask us the question try and keep it to under sort of two minutes a minute that sort of range send me the mp3 you can just send it to yarrow y-a-r-o at entrepreneurs-journey.com and i'll get it and then i'll share it with walter we'll have a listen and then we'll play it live on the show and answer it and you're certainly welcome to mention your company or your website address during that call so it's a little bit of promotion to the thousand plus every week listeners, not to mention the thousands over the months following that these podcasts get downloaded. So it's a great little bit of uh, free marketing for you as well if you just want to ask us a question. Uh, Walter, looking forward to hearing more about the incubator once you've had a full week. So we'll talk to you next week about that. Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, definitely the first week of full-on work on the on the company. So yeah, interesting stories ahead, I think. Awesome. Okay, well, yeah, let's wrap it up, Walter. Thank you for, for joining in. Thank you all the listeners who've stuck with us over the summer period here in Australia and uh, joining us for a brand new year, 2014, of everything entrepreneurship. And I'm looking forward to you know, hitting some big goals this year. I'm moving on to the, the bigger numbers uh, this year. Last year was sort of a regrouping and a regathering and a, a get, get started again on my information publishing business. And I'm, I'm pleased at the progress. So I'm looking forward to continuing that. And course walter you have epic changes going on yeah that's right so uh really looking forward to this year it's uh it's going to be a complete change from everything i've done before but I hope, uh, uh, yeah i hope all our listeners also have some big positive changes going on with your business businesses as well and we'd love to hear about them so you know call in leave us a question tell us what you're doing and uh, we'd love to hear from you walter thank you thank you yara Talk to you next week. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, yeah. everyone. <laughs> Talk to you next week. Okay, bye, guys. Everything Entrepreneurship with Walter and Yarrow. 